Sustainable living describes a lifestyle that attempts to reduce an individual's or society's use of the Earth's natural resources and one's personal resources. It is often called as Earth Harmony Living or Net Zero Living. Its practitioners often attempt to reduce their ecological footprint, including their carbon footprint, by altering their methods of transportation, energy consumption, and or diet. In this series, we meet David Sylvan, one who is living sustainably in the Seattle area. You talked about the car, what else? How, how did you get started on your next, uh, if you will, uh, project? Yeah, you know, my main thing is trying to have diversity, diversity of options. So I'm not always relying on one service or, or system. So I thought about doing so pressurized natural gas because I have gas in my house and have like diversity of car options and fuel options. So I've got electricity, I've got gas, but you know, natural gas would be kind of good too to have that as an option. For food and water, I mean, I've got my yard. It's like a very diverse food source. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm always, I'm always increasing that. I've got, for example, two hardy citrus trees coming that I'm ordering for my birthday. And it's like I, I discovered hardy citrus trees that could grow in this area in the Pacific Northwest. It's kind of exciting. Oh. They're more like lemons. What's the fruit of, uh, of this tree? But they're from China. Huh. So, so lemons from China. So tell me more. So I was, I was kind of predicting something that you could eat directly, but this, I'm not so sure. Yeah, I mean, I have... A lot of variety of stuff, and some some of the fruits and berries I have in my yard, you do have to do some processing of them. Um, but yeah, you can't eat a lot of them out of hand. It's so like I have aronia bushes. Costco used to sell uh, frozen concentrate aronia juice, and people really, some people really liked it, but they didn't get enough enough traction, so they, they discontinued it. But I have aronia berries growing in my yard, for example, and they make great jam or great juice. Huh. In fact, they have enough, they have as much pectin as apples, so you can don't have to add pectin to make jam out of them. So for Christmas presents, I've been doing stuff for out of my yard. Last year, I did seasoning mixes and spices and that I gave to, to relatives and friends. And this, this last Christmas, I did jams that they couldn't buy at the store, like fig jam and apple butter and pear butter and aronia jam and strawberry tree fruit jam and all, kind, all kinds of fun stuff like that. Yeah. No, I've never had some of this, uh, the, whatever, that, that juice you mentioned, I've never had that. If I was to timeline this, it sounds like electric car was first and then you maybe moved into... Well, actually, Edible Yard first. Oh, okay. I did. I, I tend to do a proof of concept, <laughs> and at the time I had a small little yard. That was about 2001, and and I basically relandscaped the whole yard in edibles. It took me a summer, and my kids were little. And they loved it. They just loved being able to go out and eat stuff and graze in the yard. <laughs> and so I, I had upscale. I had to go to a bigger yard. I found a house with a half acre and a pond and everything, and moved there and, and just have been landscaping and working on it ever since. It's my my summer passion. What got you started on the you know, because there's a lot of knowledge to go behind to get to to create an edible yard. You need to know things. So how did you get that knowledge? I learn as I go, and I keep. I'm always experimenting. That's the kind of exciting thing is I'm always learning more and and trying stuff. And and 
and making things more beautiful. I, I figure I plant stuff and try to learn how to use it after I planted it. <laughs> and so some things I'm replacing now because I, you know, they didn't they didn't work well well. And, and so I'm finding new stuff. And there's always more things to try. I have this list of stuff that can go on for years and decades. Oh, you have a backlog, do you? Oh yes, absolutely. When it comes to my garden of Eden, I definitely have a backlog. <laughs> wow. Did you use books to mostly, or was this YouTube research, or how did you decide what to put in your, your yard? Everything. Okay. I used everything I could get hold of. There's not a whole lot of material out there on edible landscaping. I found a handful of books, and some of them are out of print now, so I had to find old books. And I found nurseries that kind of specialize in it. Raintree Nursery down near Morton is one of them, and Cloud Mountain up north by Everett in Mount Vernon. They are two that kind of have classes and workshops on edible landscaping, where you can, where you can just start incorporating edible plants into your normal landscape. I went to the extreme, where it's like, it's not edible, it's a weed. <laughs> <laughs> so your grass? I have been, grass is probably one of the highest maintenance things you can have in your yard. And I have been eradicating it out of my yard over the years, taking more and more out, because I consider it a weed. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's your definition. You're, you're consistent. <laughs> yeah. So the, the trees I took out to make to expose more light from my roof, they were weed trees. They were evergreens that didn't produce any kind of food. <laughs> weed trees. All right. <laughs> and I'm replacing them with fruit-bearing trees. I have this really wonderful white mulberry tree coming to replace one, for example, and a yellow Japanese shiro plum that is described as being so juicy and you use a bib when you eat them. <laughs> wow. <laughs> cool. I look forward to checking that out someday. Yeah. So then it was so it was it was edible landscaping, then car. I was watching electric cars for for about a decade, looking what was coming and where, where I could find something because I figured that'd be the easiest way to get off of gas. It's much harder to make your own gas. <laughs> and I watched uh, car company for a while called Zaptera, and I watched, you know, just hunted around to see what options there were zebra cars, so there's one variety. And there just wasn't anything good that I could really use as a family car. And But then Nissan came out with the Leaf, and I just jumped right on it. Are you interested in science fiction with a Hawaiian twist? Nafi is a retired pro surfer who works security at a pineapple plant. He falls for a girl who uses him to break security so she can investigate a conspiracy to destroy Hawaii's pineapple crop. Unfortunately, she gets caught Nafi gets in trouble, and the epidemiologist who's behind the pineapple virus is out to kill them. Honolulu Hadi is a cyberpunk action-adventure novelette set in post-global warming Hawaii. To get this novelette, go to Amazon and search for Lancer Honolulu Hati. If you're interested in more about edible landscaping, check out the show notes for links to the places that were mentioned in this podcast. So open up your podcast player and tap on over to the show notes. Otherwise, surf on over to the website where you downloaded the show. 
Sustainable Living with David Sylvan started in episode 103. Go to the show archive to find the past episodes. David tells us more in the next episode. And the solar panels was the next. I've been scouting out the financing and options of solar panels for the last six years or so. And every couple of years, I get a new bid from a different contractor, and I just see what it looked like and the hard numbers. And it was this last, it was during this fall, I got a bid, and and I looked at the math, and it was the best I'd seen, and it just, it really made sense. So I got, had four companies come do bids, and I looked at the different technology, the options, and picked the one I liked and had them put in, got the financing and had it done.